Well, good morning, Awakening Church. It's great to be with you. Thank you, Joe, for leading us in worship and being able to share together. Uh, if you're new watching us uh, via live stream, welcome to uh, The Awakening. And it's been our journey these last three months to come to you, not in person in an auditorium, but to be able to do so through virtual means. Uh, if you're new, we'd love to have you connect with us and learn a little bit more about us. And uh, we'd like to be able to support you as well as what God's going to be doing in your life uh, in the coming days and weeks. Well, friends, this is it. This is our last live stream only kind of service. Uh, because of some of the changes in uh, government uh, uh, permission regulations, we have the opportunity to join back together in this assembly room, uh, the main venue at our facility on 39681 Avenida uh, Acacias. And we want to uh, invite everybody who feels led to be a part of our public gathering next week. However, we are also mindful that our public gathering is not for everyone. And we are going to be regathering in both live stream and in person. And so you can stay right where you're at in your home and enjoy the service, uh, whether it's with yourself or some friends or maybe your children if you want. And we are going to be joining you in your home by being together, some of us here uh, in the auditorium. So I look forward to seeing us gather back together next week for our public worship service here at The Awakening. So please join us. It will be a family service. Uh, there will be no kids ministry or middle school group that meets, uh, but we will all be meeting in our uh, family clusters in the auditorium. And uh, just to get in preparations uh, prepared for next week, we are going to uh, let you know in advance that there's some uh, guidelines that we're going to be putting to you uh, in video form, printed form, uh, social media form this week that talk about uh, our controlled entry, uh, our social distancing, mask, and uh, uh, some of the other aspects that we're trying to do in cleaning the facility, and also what you would try to do in making sure that you are a well person when you come. And so look for those uh, highlights of how we're going to go about uh, being appropriate when we regather next week. But uh, plan on it and pray about it as we come back together for public worship next Sunday morning, June 7th at 10 a.m. And uh, everybody is welcome, but we also know because of uh, some concerns that people have, uh, maybe because of uh, how they are in their well-being, the age that they are, that you will be able to also join us via live stream from your home. So with that, I just want to turn it over to uh, Pastor Zach, and he's got some important things to be able to share with us, uh, especially in light of today and what we're looking at for next week. Hello, Awakening Church. So today we have a great opportunity. Um, today we have a serve event going on at 12 p.m. We are meeting here at the facility to circle up and pray and then we have two things going on. The first thing is we will be disinfecting our entire facility, you know, giving it a deep clean, making sure that we are ready to go for next Sunday. And the second thing is we are going to be making uh, PPEs. We're making uh, one-use plastic hospital gowns. We are going to be going up to uh, one of our sister churches, the Grove Community Church. They have offered for us to be able to come up and use kind of their assembly line that they have for us to be able to serve in this time. 
you know, this time we're meeting here together and we're worshiping God, but that is not what everything is about. That is not what Christianity is about. Christianity is also about being able to serve and being able to be there for our community. And so it's a great opportunity because we are going to be able to give that to a local hospital in our area and be able to, on behalf of the Grove and on behalf of the Awakening Church, and say, hey, we just want to bless you. We want to make sure that you know we are here for you in that time. Right now, we have about 14 people signed up to be able to go up to the Grove, and we have around 8 to 10 people signed up to be able to help to clean our facility. And so if that's something that you would like to do, just email serve at theawakening.church or even just show up today at noon. You don't necessarily have to, you know, make a reservation to be able to come serve with us. We're allowed to bring 20 people up to the Grove, but we're looking forward to this event and being able to serve our community in this time. We also this week have our midweek devotionals and prayers. Pastor Kerry has been doing a great job. This is another opportunity to be able to connect with each other. It's over Zoom. The link is on our Facebook page every single week. And it's a great opportunity to be able to have face-to-face conversation and to be able to pray with each other and just to hear from everybody around us. And so if you'd like to do that again, Wednesday at 1 p.m., we do this every week. We also have our kids on uh, church online. Devin and Beth have been doing a great job faithfully doing this every single week. And it's a great opportunity for us to be able to see what's going on with our kids, as well as being able to sit there with your children to be able to go through church with them to see what they are learning and to continue to help them grow in their relationship with Christ. This week, we also, uh, we also have our tithes and offerings today. So if you guys can uh, just text the word AWAKENING to the number 77977. It's a super easy way to give. It's going to send you to a link. It's secure and safe. And so it's just a way to be able to also worship through our tithes. This week, we had a great opportunity. Joe did some great things with our uh, student ministries. So if you guys will just watch this quick video that he put together on what we did as an outreach as well.
do give congratulations to our seniors this year and uh, the 14 of them actually from our ASM ministry and uh, Joe has been so faithful in serving them. They're actually the first uh, graduating class to go through all four years with uh, Joe as their student ministry leader and so not only congratulations to the seniors but also congratulations to Joe and uh, we are so grateful to be able to continue serving in these days. I want us to pray today. It's an important day, and uh, I think God has a word specifically for each one of us uh, where we're gathered, and uh, he is at work in our world. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in this hour we can come together as a church community as well as guests and be able to look into your word. We pray through your Holy Spirit that we are going to be talking about today, that you would quicken your word and you would apply it to our life and apply it to the callings that you've given us in our world today. Lord, we just ask for your covering and your protection upon our nation. Lord, so many challenges and changes that are going on, uh, not only with COVID, but also with some of the protest issues, Lord, as it concerns the uh, well-being of each and every person in our world. And we pray, God, that you would continue to orchestrate your sovereign will through all situations, through all plans at hand, and that you would be glorified. Lord, including this time as we share together in your word. Amen and amen. Well, I had the great opportunity this week to do something I've not been able to do, uh, and that is I called my son, uh, Levi, who is 21 actually, and I encouraged him to come into the living room to watch with me something that he probably wouldn't have recognized or thought was a part of life. And uh, mom came out as well, and we sat there, and maybe many of you sat there as well, as on yesterday, we had the first launch of people into space for nine years. And uh, the last uh, uh, space shuttle happened uh, nine years ago, and uh, a joint venture between NASA and SpaceX, which is right down uh, the interstate here in Hawthorne, and there was the launching of two astronauts uh, into space into the space station. And it was, uh, I don't know, there was something exhilarating about it for me because the excitement of, is it going to go through? Is it going to go well? I remember the time once when I actually was watching the space shuttle Challenger and it did not go well and we lost several astronauts in that. And so there's that point of tension and is the weather going to hold right? Is the countdown going to be held like it was earlier this week? But I thought it was interesting as we sat there because there was joy in the success of a mission to launch two individuals into space to rendezvous with the space station and live maybe up to 120 days, they say, they may stay on that space station. And the control center was here in Hawthorne, and there were a lot of people behind computer, uh, big screens and, uh, and glass, and we cheered with them as they cheered the successful launch and then the separation of the booster, recovery of boosters, other kinds of things. It's interesting, though, when you watch the launch today that things have changed a lot in these nine years. Uh, there's a lot of big uh, screens, touch screens, that the astronauts are using now, and the spacesuits look a little bit more modern, but uh, Launch America was successful. And when it launched, uh, my heart went to, isn't this great to be able to join together around a good event, something that wasn't about COVID or other situations that are happening in our culture? And I thought the ingenuity of mankind to be able to craft and put that together and then the cooperative efforts between the government and a private um, business to be able to do this joint venture. The human being is an incredible person. The human mind 
has incredible ability. And when we are put to the task of doing something spectacular, it can come off in a spectacular way. And we cheered for that with Launch America and um, the astronauts and Dragon going into outer space. But as I was there talking to my son Levi and encouraging him about this and how pretty cool that was, and, and he thought it was sort of neat, uh, immediately after uh, an extended period of time of focusing on this launch, the news channel that we were a part of went to another scene. And it wasn't a scene of exhilaration and excitement and human accomplishment. It was actually a scene of destruction and a scene of concern. As many of us know uh, this week, um, the whole nation has had a pivot and a turn towards the concerns of abuse related to uh, over-protective um, or uh, operations with police officers that brought about the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And upon the heels of that, and rightfully so, protest and, and marching as it relates to uh, doing something that's uh, different, not to be able to allow this kind of thing happen to someone who can't breathe, to all of a sudden die as they are in the police custody. And so our hearts go out to the whole issue related to unjust treatment, to racism and prejudice, possibly all that's involved in rightful protest is legitimate. And as this individual was holding up a sign here, no justice, no peace. That's the cry of the heart. But then we saw some of the turn of the protest and the concern and the, and the um, pronouncements against the wrong that was done to this gentleman who lost his life turn into some riots. And it spread across several cities. And uh, there was even a protest even in our own city of Temecula here yesterday. And rightfully so, some of the concerns of that. But why is it that human beings struggle and wrestle, whether it's with racism, whether it's with prejudice, whether it's with violence, whether it's inciting things that are, are cruel? We saw the best in the launch of two astronauts into space, what the human can do. And then we witnessed immediately on our screen in our home this week, back to reality, right? What's wrong with mankind? What is wrong with the hearts of individuals? What's wrong with our culture? And we see both sides of the beauty of the human being made in the image of God and also the corruptness and the destructiveness of a human being who has fallen and has a sinful nature. And so today what we're talking about relates to the need of our world and the need for each of us in our own life. It's not just a nice subject. Oh, what's Pastor Kerry speaking on today in this series called The New Normal? Well, The New Normal is talking about the new normal that Jesus Christ came to institute in, a, in our world. The changes that he came to bring about. And those changes are ongoing, but right now in our world, sometimes we sit back and we pull our hair and we go, what's wrong with this world? G.K. Chesterton once um, a famed intellectual philosopher and Christian believer, almost in the same category of C.S. Lewis, responded to a Times uh, request of several people that day in the UK to respond to the question, what's wrong with the world? And G.K. Chesterton just simply sent back two uh, simple sentences. It said, dear sirs, I am yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. I am what's wrong with the world. There's something about us 
that needs to change. And so when we hear the pleas and the cries for justice and to have peace and to not let racism and prejudice infiltrate the cities and our lives today, we have to move to an answer. And what is the answer? The answer truly is found in what we're speaking about today. So I ask you to tune your ears to God's word as we talk about a new normal that Jesus Christ spoke of and then happened after his resurrection that brought about the hope we have for today. And that hope that we have for today came through Christ's death, his resurrection, his ascensions into heaven, but also then what he did on the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost is today. Pentecost was a festival of the Jewish people that was celebrated 50 days after Christ's resurrection. But it was a festival that went all the way back into the Old Testament. The Old Testament records several harvest festivals and key ones. And one of the first ones that would happen during the year was that of Pentecost. And so it was called the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Early Harvest. And so the Jewish people were gathered in Jerusalem 50 days after the resurrection of Christ to celebrate this, but they had been instructed to wait and that they would receive something. And what they would receive on that day was the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And when it came on that day, it was also a day that had demonstrative effects in the people of the city, especially with the disciples. And it came with fire. And so today I want to talk to you about the new normal of the spirit and the fire. And it's not the fire of the fires that are being set um, wrongly in protest and in violence. It's the fire that God sends to consume and change our heart and to change our world. And we live today in a new normal that's different from even the days of the disciples and so I want to explain and talk about that, if you'll join in with me. If you've got your word, uh, your scriptures, join with me by turning to Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, we find um, these words as it begins to relate to this new normal of the spirit and the fire. Now, you've got to remember this. There are certain chronological events that have happened on this timeline, and we journey through those every spring. But just to bring to your recollection, the world was in great need and there was the hope of a Messiah. Jesus was sent by God himself, his son. And he was sent into the world because he so loved the world. And that son went to obedience on the cross. And so from Christ's life to Christ's death on the cross to the resurrection of Christ, and then 40 days later was the ascension of Christ, and then another 10 days later, which is now 50 days after the resurrection, we have this recorded event in Acts chapter 2, if you'll lean in with me. It says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. It's believed that they were back in the upper room, the same upper room by which the Lord shared the Last Supper with his disciples before he went to the cross. And they had been encouraged to wait there. And verse 20, the second verse then says, Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, the word spirit, pneuma, is the same word for wind. And so suddenly, as they're together as disciples, 50 days out from the resurrection, still not fully understanding all that God had planned, a sound 
of a blowing of a violent wind and came and filled everywhere where they were sitting. And then it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, was it literal real fire? Did it look like fire? We don't fully know, but something happened in that room of a sound that was startling and then a visual that seemed to be the uh, supernatural activity of God coming to rest on each one of those disciples. All of them in that moment were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, it's interesting because there's a lot of uh, discussion and sometimes controversy related to the Holy Spirit. Some churches are consumed with an understanding and talking about the Holy Spirit, and that's about all that they talk about. And then there's other churches that are sort of apprehensive with some of the things that came along with when the Spirit was given in that day. And so uh, they're more passive or reluctant to be able to bring out things except for maybe a couple times a year about the Holy Spirit. But I want us to understand this. There was supernatural activity around this critical event. But it's not the activity that's around it that I want us to focus on. I want us to focus on what the actual event was and the new normal that was brought to each of us as individuals who are followers of Christ, or if you desire to be a follower of Christ this morning, and what's brought to our world that is desperately in need of change. What's wrong with our world? God had a solution. You see, God is in the restoration work. We talked about a little bit last week with the new heaven and the new earth. God is on a redemptive plan to restore all things that were broken because of sin, all the way back to Adam and Eve. And Christ's entrance into the world and his death and his resurrection was the first fruits of the resurrection of all the dead. And as we talked about last week, God's eternal restoration with the new heavens and the new earth. There's something going on in God's big picture frame that we need to dial into each and every day. And you and I do this morning as well. Because God is restoring and beautifying and making all that's wrong right. His ear is not deaf to the cries. His ear is not deaf to the pleas and the prayers, whether in your personal life or in a a national or global scale. God is at work. And when Christ was raised from the dead, it was the hope of victory over death. And we're going to be looking at that some next week as we gather again in public worship. I told you, when we got back together, we're going to have Easter and celebrate the resurrection of Christ and the new normal that that all brought. But this is on the other side of the resurrection and Jesus ascends into the heavens and then the Spirit is sent from the heavens down to the earth. And when the Spirit's sent down to the earth, it's a new normal that changes everybody, and there's signs and wonders that came with that. In fact, if you're to continue reading, it talks about these tongues are actually physical languages, known languages, that people began to speak to one another so that the Word could go forward about what God was doing. Now, people were looking on with this, and they were concerned. It says, what is all this that's happening? And uh, one person, you know, claimed down, and others like, oh, I don't know what. They're all going crazy. They are acting like it's, they're drunk. And Peter steps forward, and he says, these men are not drunk, as you would assume. It's only night in the morning. And then he began to articulate to them what this was all about. And he went back to the Old Testament, because the day of Pentecost... 
of which we celebrate here today, 50 days after Easter, the resurrection, was a moment in time that was prophesied thousands of years before. And so Peter steps up and says, hey, listen, let me tell you what's going on. And he referenced that this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel spoke this 2,800 years before that first day of Pentecost in the New Testament. He said this of Joel. Joel said of God, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, let me highlight just two aspects of this. The first is that the spirit is now being poured out on all people, all people. And it doesn't matter, male or female, young or old. He's pouring it out upon all people. And that spirit being poured out was a direct fulfillment of a prophecy, not only of Joel's, but others, where God said something's going to happen. Not only was there a Messiah that was going to come, but with the Messiah, there was going to be this new normal day that arrives when the Spirit of God, the wind of God, the breath of God is poured out upon all people. And so this is how Peter began to proclaim that day the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I want to encourage us in this. There's probably a lot of different traditions each of us come from. The signs and the wonders some are favorable with, others are not so sure. Friends, we should be open to all that God has for us. Many times I pray with my hands open saying, Lord, may my uh, cognitive understanding of you, limited as it may be, not limit my experience of you. And so I want to experience the fullness of God. Sometimes I put my hands up like it's in a V shape just to receive the fullness of God and all that he would have for me. And Lord, may your wind, may your breath blow afresh upon me in my life that I might serve you. And I should not care how it was manifested. On the other side of that, the important thing is what's brought, what the real gift is. And sometimes what I find in um, circles that discuss the whole Pentecostal world of activity and signs and wonders is that uh, we receive a package and then uh, like receiving a package on your birthday and it's beautifully wrapped with expensive paper, has a velvet bow on top of it, and we begin to unwrap this beautiful gift. And as we unwrap this beautiful gift, we admire the bow and the paper and then we open it up and inside are the keys to a very expensive car. And we look at the keys and we go, oh, well, that's, that's sort of nice. But then we set that aside and we spend all of our time looking about the trappings, the wrappings, the bow and the external aspect, or maybe even the box or even the key itself separate into what the real gift has been given. And our focus should not be on the externals. Our focus should be on the gift that God wants to give you and me. And that gift is the gift of his Holy Spirit, the power of his Holy Spirit operating in your life and in mine. And it's the new normal that today on this side of the resurrection and the day of Pentecost, that we can be filled with the Spirit of God. And we are in those days today. 
Question. Have you experienced the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? And could it be that that is one of the critical needs of our world today, as troubled as it may be? If you were to look at the prophecies going back into the Old Testament, you find that the Spirit of God was there, hovering over creation, the wind of God, the breath of God. It's all the same as the Spirit. And the Spirit was involved in creation. And then the Spirit of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity who has always existed, the Spirit of God would come upon people in the Old Testament to strengthen them and empower them. So you would read about uh, prophets that have the Spirit of God come on them. You would read about kings that were anointed with the Spirit of God on them. If you remember Samson, remember Samson's mighty power? He had that mighty power because in moments the Spirit of God would come upon him and he could do great powerful things. Well, that's the journey of the Old Testament. The Spirit of God was external, but the Spirit of God was come upon people and at times would enter people. But the Spirit of God was not permanent and the Spirit of God was not available for all people. The prophecy spoken and then fulfilled on the day of Pentecost is that the Spirit would come upon people, all people, and would come within them. If you go back to Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel had some challenging times of being able to speak God's word to the people and the things that God called him to do. He says this in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, And I will give you a new heart, God says, through Ezekiel. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you, so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey all my regulations and find the life that I intend for you. You know, I don't know where you stand at in life, and maybe uh, you're good at doing self-evaluation, maybe you're poor at that, and you need other people to tell you uh, your strengths and your weaknesses, your growth areas, right? But I think all of us can recognize that we, in ourselves, as human beings, can have stony, stubborn hearts, and we need hearts that are tender and responsive. And the violent um, act, hold, uh, knee act holding George Floyd down this week, he would say, what, what was wrong that someone would do that? And to hold that for two minutes and 46 seconds after they took a pulse and couldn't find a pulse. Well, there may be of reasons in that person's own mind, some protocol. I'm not to, uh, debating, get into that. But I tell you what, if I was there, I would say, what's wrong with the heart? How can you have a stony, stubborn heart in that moment? And racism and prejudice, it leads to that kind of things, a hardness of the heart, and less than to our sins. And it's not a white-black issue. It can be a prejudice in a socioeconomic environment, other kinds of ethnicities. Anybody that's different from you and I, we can have a stone coldy heart towards. And what God needs to do in our lives and the lives of people and in our nation is change hearts to be tender and responsive. And the word is saying here that that heart can be changed through the power of a new spirit, 
the Holy Spirit being put into your life and into mine. And so here, the prophet Ezekiel prophesying 100 years before Jesus Christ came. And then the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost coming is articulating this vision for a new normal. A new normal when God would change the hearts by changing it through the power of the Spirit and dwelling within them. And wherever you're at today, and maybe you have a stony, cold, stubborn heart towards someone else, could it be that you need a fresh filling of the Spirit in your life so that that stony, stubborn heart can be turned to one that's tender, responsive, and forgiving? And when we forgive others who have wronged us, it does not condone their behavior, but we're releasing them of the liability we feel that they owe us a debt. And an unforgiven heart will even make the heart more stony and cold. God wants you to receive His forgiveness today and then allow His Spirit to extend that forgiveness to others. So I invite you to be sensitive to all this redemptive plan that God is placing in motion. From there in the Old Testament, from creation to the prophets and the kings, to prophecies such as this with Ezekiel, Jesus Christ came on the scene. And when he came on the scene, he gave instructions to his disciples. And the last instructions you'll find him giving before he ascends into heaven are these found in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. On one occasion while he was eating with them, this was during the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension into the heavens, he gave them this command. He said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So wait for the gift, this gift that's been given to you that's going to be unwrapped in the presence of others on the day of Pentecost. What's inside of it? What's inside of it is the Holy Spirit. And you are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, but you need to wait for it. And so the disciples in the upper room with others, they waited and they waited 10 days for that day to come that day to come when the Holy Spirit would descend upon them. And that's exactly what happened in those days. As they waited, the sound of a rushing mighty wind, what seemed to be tongues, lickings of fire coming down upon them. And they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And something different happened on that day. It wasn't the Spirit coming down to rest upon them. It was the Spirit of God coming to indwell them and indwell them permanently. And this was his plan and his desire. This was the new normal that he longed for on the other side of the resurrection. They had cried out to him, Lord, why are you leaving? This is terrible. And he says, it's to your advantage that I go. If I don't go, I can't send the helper to you. And the helper was the Holy Spirit. And so there they were on that day and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the promise. We celebrate it today, the day of Pentecost. What's the day of Pentecost about? Oh, fire, crazy, wild kind of things. No, it's the gift inside. And the gift inside was the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit himself given to impart you and I to change and transform stony hearts, to make us fully alive into Christ and be engaged in his mission. As I watch the scenes on the television, and even as I see the weariness of the COVID journey after three months, I cry out, Lord, what's the answer? 
What's the answer for the ills of our world? Whether it be pestilence or whether it be a pandemic, whether it be corruption, whether it be prejudice, violence, you name it. What's the answer? The answer was given on the day of Pentecost, an indwelling Holy Spirit. There's three things I want to mention about this new normal. If you were to ask, well, great, it's nice to receive this package. I want the Holy Spirit. Yes, fill me, God, in my life. What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, there's several avenues we could go down and talk about this morning. Of course, time doesn't afford that. But there's three things I want to highlight. And these are three things you should know, not just cognitively, especially if you're a believer and follower of Christ, but experientially in your own life. Why was the Holy Spirit given on the day of Pentecost? What is the new normal for me? The new normal is a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that permanent indwelling is going to be about three key things. The first is for righteous living. For righteous living. The Spirit of Jesus was given so that we could be like Jesus. All that Jesus is, all that Jesus wants us to become, is found in His Spirit that dwells within us. Being baptized in His Spirit and then allowing that Spirit to work through us. It says this in Romans 8, 9. Romans 8 is one of the significant passages concerning about the Holy Spirit. Um, and it says this. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So the Apostle Paul setting up this understanding that the human being, less than to themselves, has a fallen sinful nature. And that fallen sinful nature, just fess up, get real with yourself. Don't try to blow it off and say you don't sin, that you're not wrong, you don't make mistakes. Trust me, I'm one that's sort of slow sometimes to acknowledging that in my own life. But I have a sinful nature and it can control me. But I choose to want all that God has for me as I trust you do to, to be controlled not by this sinful nature, but to be controlled by the Spirit. And if you're having a challenge in your life, allowing God to control you, then I want to ask you, do you have the Spirit of Christ? Have you invited the Spirit of Christ into your life to change and transform your stony, stubborn heart? It goes on and it says this, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Righteousness is upright standing. When we see something that's not healthy in our culture, we say, well, that's not right. Or somebody does something to us and we go, that's not right. Well, righteousness is doing what's right, being upright. And that righteousness is not in and of ourselves. It's a gift that comes from God through Christ. If Christ is in you, you're no longer dead or hopeless because of your sin. You now have become alive in your spirit by the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, and it's his righteousness. And so the Holy Spirit is given for righteous, holy living. And if you're struggling and if you're challenged with seeing your life turned around and you keep stumbling and falling, part of that's learning to grow as a Christian believer. I understand that. And no one should berate you for falling, but we should point you to being able to, to pick yourself back up through the power of the Spirit and let the righteousness of Christ live through you. 
So Holy Spirit, come, fill me now with your fullness, because your fullness represents Christ. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, friends, is living in you, good deal. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Some beautiful words in Romans 8. It says this in Galatians 5.16. The Passion Translation, words are a little bit different. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and to hinder Him from living free within you. You want Him to live in His fullness and His freedom within you? And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then, these two incompatible, conflicting forces, Paul says, are within you and are at work. The self-life or the sinful nature of the flesh and the new creation, the Spirit-filled life, life in the Spirit. And one person uh, articulated it this way, I feel this battle going on inside of me every day. It's like two dogs. There's uh, a bad dog and a good dog. And the bad dog's wanting me to succumb to the sinful nature. And the good dog is, is fighting for me to live life in the spirit. And someone said, well, which one is winning? And he just simply said, whichever dog I feed, that's who wins. Whichever dog I give the attention to, that's who wins. And friends, you and I on this side of heaven will always have this a battle between the self-life and the Christ life or life in the spirit. But the Holy Spirit was given so that you wouldn't try to go grabbing it and try to do a bunch of rituals and routines and try to just, just, just be good each and every day. You're to be baptized and filled with the Spirit and let the Spirit live and control you and yield to Him in the times of challenge and difficulty. And what happens when you yield to the Holy Spirit in your life? <laughs> well, Galatians 5 goes on in verse 22 and it describes the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is predominantly love. You can put a colon after love if you want. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you think in some of the situations that were brought to the forefront this week that that fruit would have been much more beneficial than some of the fruit of the sinful nature and the self-life that has shown itself ugly, whether in the initial cause of what brought about the protest or how the protest and some of them moved into an area that were not healthy. Friends, there's this battle going on, but the first thing that you were given the Holy Spirit internally forever to dwell with you for is for righteous living, and that righteous living is for Christ-likeness. The second is this for bold witness. You need to hear me with this. This is critical. The bold witness is for all of us as individuals, but also for us as a church community. And I believe especially on the heels of us coming back into public worship and being able to articulate God's hope for the world. The awakening church, desiring more and more people to become fully alive in Christ and to his mission. We have a corporateness to this calling of being a bold witness as well as an individual calling to have bold witness in our life with other people. In John 20, 21, right after the resurrection, Jesus appears with his disciples and he says to them, peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, received, received the Holy Spirit. And they received the Holy Spirit at that time. And it wasn't a permanent dwelling necessarily until the day of Pentecost came. But they received the Spirit. And why was the Spirit of God given by Jesus to the followers of him? Post-resurrection. It was given to them for the purpose of doing his work and being a bold witness in our day and age. That's why in Acts 1.8, after the verse we just saw where he was telling them to wait for the Spirit to come, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are given the Holy Spirit in this day and age for bold witness. But we are also called in that and given it for righteous living, also called in that to be bold witness for the salvation of the lost. And this isn't just for individuals. It's for us corporately. You see, the day and age of the Apostle Paul, there were a lot of temples. And so it was rightful for him to say that we are the temple, the Holy Spirit. And I've said it before sometimes, we don't come to the temple, we bring the temple with us. And that temple is the Holy Spirit if he now comes and dwells within us. You know, it's been interesting in these three months as we've not been able to gather. I thought, you know, I sort of miss everybody, that kind of thing. But is it a gathering? Should we sort of been put in the category of theaters and sporting events? It's just a gathering of people. I think there's something unique and different. I've been trying to contemplate it. What's missing in these last three months? And it really is the gathering of the temples that the Holy Spirit dwells because there's this unique coming together that we are the temple of Christ. The church is the body of Christ and the body of Christ is infilled by the Spirit. And when we come together next week, if you're able to come in person, and if you're not, that's cool, but if we come together in person, there's a dynamic that happens when there's a gathering of people who have Jesus living within them that's different than when you just show up at a performance or a sporting event. And that uniqueness is not just community and friendship. I believe there's a bonding of one spirit to another. And friends, I'm excited for us to come back together next Sunday at, 7 at 10 a.m. on June 7th for those who can make it. But friends, it's not just for our enjoyment. And this is where some of the teaching on the Holy Spirit has been weak. I want the Holy Spirit. He brings me love, joy, peace, gentleness. He's there. He's my helper. I don't feel like I'm an orphan. The presence of God is with me. There's some days that he refreshes me and makes me strong. But the Holy Spirit was not given merely for individual happiness or individual sen uh, uh, sensational kinds of things that could happen. The Holy Spirit was given for the church to do the witness of Jesus Christ in our day and age. And so Jesus said, wait for it. The Holy Spirit comes. He empowers them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit here on the day of Pentecost is a fresh and anew for us to get back at it. And let's do it as the congregation of the awakening to be on mission for Jesus Christ the bold witness, the salvation of the lost. When you look into a TV screen or you come across others, you see traumatic things that happen around you, people with loneliness, brokenness, fear. They are lost many times because they do not know Christ. And we are called as the church 
to be the bold witness, filled with the Holy Spirit, so that many would come to know Jesus. Third, inner conviction. The indwelling Spirit comes for righteous living, comes for bold witness, and comes for inner conviction. One of the difficult and challenging passages concerning the Holy Spirit is found in John 16. Actually, John 15 through 16 and 17, even beautiful um, treaties and understandings concerning the Holy Spirit. That along with Romans 8, richness. Jesus is articulating to them about what's going to be happening, not only with the cross and the resurrection, but with the Holy Spirit who's to come after him. He says this then in John 16, verse 7, but I tell you the truth, It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, and he ascended to the heavens, and then the heavens ascended back to the earth, I will send him to you. And the Holy Spirit came. And then Jesus says this, concerning the purpose of that Holy Spirit in this particular passage. He says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, that's a hard thing. What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm wanting the feel-good thing. I'm wanting the, the demonstrative things. But the Holy Spirit was given so that there would be a conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment on this earth. He goes on there to say, but they will reject this. They reject because of the sin issue, because they don't believe in me. Because of righteousness, because I go to the Father. And because of judgment, because the rule of this world is still active. Friends, The church, not just individuals, are to receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit through us will continue to do the work of Jesus in our world. And that work in our world, especially in light of a week like we saw this week, is to bring conviction, inner conviction, about sin and righteousness and judgment. And we need the Holy Spirit desperately to empower us and fill us in these days. The inner conviction will bring peace and justice. When your heart grows heavy with whatever vice or ill you see in our culture, but in particular this week with the issue of racism and prejudice coming to the forefront, May we just not be in a place of despair. Oh God, what are we going to do? Enact some more laws, change some more routines, fight more protests. May we as Christian believers turn ourselves to the fullness of the Spirit and act as His body on this earth to move out and help bring inner conviction concerning issues of sin, righteousness, and judgment, but ultimately that that inner conviction will bring peace and justice and wellness in our world. The Holy Spirit, the fullness, is not for you to sit back and rest on your laurels and wait it out. You see this passage that the Holy Spirit was given to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. A lot of times we can view it, and I viewed it this way, as, oh, that's the Holy Spirit's work, so I'm just going to sit back and watch him operate. Friends, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We are called to do the Spirit's work in a kind, gentle, Christ-like manner. One that's filled with righteous living, not self-righteous living. The righteousness of Christ. 
one that is filled with bold witness, but one that moves out. We are to be doing the Holy Spirit's work in our world today. So God bless us. May we move in that direction for his glory. I close with this simple question to you. To have statement to you, to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit must fully have you. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you is the hope of glory for what we have today. To have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit must fully have you. Does he? Does he? If not, reach out to him and ask him to fill you with his presence, to turn from your indifference and acknowledge Christ and invite him in and invite him in in a fresh filling that can only come from the Father above. And it's not just for you as individuals, because this statement can be turned. To have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, which we desire to have as a church, the Holy Spirit must fully have us as a congregation. Does he? If you need prayer this morning, I invite you to just email me at pray at theawakening.church. I would love to pray with you in whatever particular need that you have. Give me your phone number. I'll be glad to call you, interact with you. Or you can just list it out there and I'd be glad to just pray with you during the course of this week. Lord, I want to pray for people. I want to pray for you as individuals. I want to pray for us as a church. And I want to pray for us as a world. Because we need the new normal. The new normal was not the spirit outside of us, hovering over us. The new normal was the spirit indwelling us, filling us, empowering us. God bless. Amen and amen. I will see you next Sunday if you're able to make it here in person. If not, I'll see you on live stream next Sunday at 10 a.m. Amen.